Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode 16. Wow, look at us. We're just doing it. Teenagers. <laughs> so today is a true crime episode, if you noticed from the introduction. And today we are talking about aviation crimes. So if this is your first episode tuning in with us, you wouldn't know this, but Robin and I work for a private aviation company. And because of that, we thought aviation crimes was a logical true crime topic. Absolutely. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So I did a little bit of research into actual aviation crime before I did my case. And uh, it's defined as criminal acts against civil aviation. There's three criminal activities that they include, and that's hijacking, bombing attacks, and significant criminal acts against civil and general aviation worldwide. Wow. So that seems pretty, like, all-encompassing. Like, yes. you kicked trash on a plane, arrested. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> Going down. <clears throat> and then, of course, there was differing... Uh, laws on international flights, like at what point are you not international and what point are you leaving right. different countries and yep. things and then they have different laws. So that was just really interesting too. Yeah, I bet that's uh that could that could take a while to get through to read through because yeah. there's a lot there. And that could definitely get some people into trouble with whatever they're doing. Sure. <laughs> All kinds of things happen on planes. Oh there's so many things. And like now, especially during COVID times the amount of people, like, fighting with stewardesses yes. and yeah. or flight attendants and fl- fighting with, like, the crew. Thank God the doors are locked to the pilots because people are just nuts now. Yeah, that was a good thing that they did. <laughs> yeah. That to come out of 9-11, right? Yes, yeah. of course. Well, and then, like, even in the case that I'm doing today, mine happened in the 70s, and half of the stuff that happened, I'm like, that could never happen now. How did that even happen? Why weren't they, like, prepared for this? There's just so many questions in right. my case. It's ridiculous. Right. So. Well, when, when we get to talking about what I have to talk about, just interestingly enough, there is there is a term now that I've never heard until I started researching this, air rage. Oh so my we gosh. have road rage, and we oh, have that's really now funny. we have air rage, and they were saying 2021 was the year of air rage. I can see that because so. how many videos were there of people just like going bonkers yes. and having to get duct taped to yeah. seats <laughs> and all the other things they yeah. do? Like that's the other good institution since 9/11 is having air marshals For on sure. planes because I never really thought about it, but you're like confined to this small area, yeah. and if somebody starts going bananas in there, yeah, then it's over. And, like, and what are you gonna do? You want the pilots to. Rem- Right where they are, of course, taking care of what they're and doing. everything to remain safe yeah. and the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I guess we can talk about my case first. So my case is about DB Cooper, which is a very famous case. Although in doing my research, there were some things that I didn't know going into this. But I'll just start with the story, and if you have questions and stuff, sure, we can talk it out because there's a lot of really interesting things in this. Okay. So on November twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one, which is the day before Thanksgiving. A middle-aged man bought an airline ticket with cash one way for flight 305. He used the name Dan Cooper. And this is one of the things that I thought was interesting was the name on his ticket is Dan Cooper. They did not know who he was. They never found out who he was, as we'll discuss during the case. But somehow the media misinterpreted the reporting between the either FAA or whoever was reporting back to them and named him D.B. Cooper. Oh. So, because it's not his real name, so. And it was um, never used in any of his documents? No, Dan. Maybe. 
Dan they was just on the said. Thing. They just said DB Cooper. It says it's a mis like a misinterpretation by the media when they went to reporting, that's and then that's just what they went with. I mean, that's, so, and that's what we've all heard. And that's what we've all heard about. Yeah, movies reference it. Even There's in a tons Kid of Rock things. Song. Yes. So okay. Uh, the flight, which would take off, which would take thirty minutes total, was a third full. After takeoff, Cooper handed the flight attendant closest to him a note, and she threw it into her handbag, thinking that it was some sleazy businessman's oh, phone yeah, number. To pick her up because he was dressed in a suit and a tie, and he had a briefcase with him. So she's like, "Oh, this is just some creepy guy giving me his phone number." I'm like, nope. And he actually leaned forward to her and was like, "Oh no, you actually should read that note because I have a bomb." <gasps> So she picked up the note and she moved to the seat next to him because that was what the note said, like to move next to him so he could tell her what to do. He then opened his briefcase and was in fact carrying and showed her a bomb with dynamite and different like tubing and timers and things. So there was truly a bomb on the plane. It wasn't like something fake. That he was just, like, playing at. Right. So his demands were he wanted $200,000 in cash, four parachutes, and a fuel truck to refuel the plane in Seattle upon landing. Because the plane was going from Portland, Oregon, to Seattle, Washington, and therefore it would only take 30 minutes Mm because it was a Boeing 727 aircraft. Yeah, he wanted $200,000, which by today's standards is over $1.2 million. Wow. So that's kind of crazy also. The passengers on the plane were informed by the captain after the flight attendant reported to the pilots what was going on that it would take extra time to land because there was mechanical issues with the plane. Because obviously they knew, like, okay, this is happening, but we're not going to tell all of the passengers, even though there's only 35 passengers on the plane. um, You still don't want to have, like, mass hysteria in the air. No, thanks. So... The plane circled the airport for two hours. So what would be a 30-minute flight, they circled for two hours, while people on the ground scattered to make the demands happen. Once the money and the parachutes were delivered to the airport, the passengers and two flight attendants were let go. The plane was then refueled and took off again at 7.40. So there was three flight attendants on the plane, but they let two of them go. Okay. So it took off at 7.40 p.m. Note the plane departed at 2.50 p.m. So... Like, five hours they've been going at this. Okay. And the plane only had the captain and the one flight attendant on board with Cooper. Okay. So, they were followed by two F-106 fighter planes, because those were uh, from the Air Force Base, McCord Air Force Base, which is nearby the airport. And they actually said one of the flight attendants, the one who he handed the note to, she was one that was let go off the plane. Really? And she actually reported to them that he seemed very calm during the whole exchange, like, because most hijackings or things of that time, people would be like, I want to go to Cuba, or, yeah. like, take me somewhere, and, like, they, they, they seemed crazy. Right. He was, like, very calm the whole time, just casually sitting and looking out the window, and was like, oh, that looks like Tacoma, that looks like the Air Force Base, and how would you wow. know that unless, like, you were flying a lot or yeah. just knew the area really well? Because I can promise you, I can look out the window at B- Bradley when yeah. we're landing yeah. and be like, I don't even know if we're home. Oh, we're landing. Yeah, we're here. (laughs) And that's the only airport I come in and out of, so... So after the takeoff, he had the flight attendant who remained on board show him how to open the door to the aft staircase, and then he instructed her to please go into the cockpit and remain there with the door closed. At 8 p.m., she and the pilot observed the warning light for the door being opened come on. So the crew called to him on the interplane phone and asked if he needed assistance. He said no, and they never heard from him again. 
So he took one of his four parachutes, because yes, he needed four parachutes. Two for, like, actual parachutes, and two for backups. Okay. I'm assuming he knew how to check parachutes, because in my research, they were saying that the people on the ground were trying to give him military uh, parachutes from the Air Force Base, and he said no, he wanted, like, civilian-grade jumping parachutes, Hmm. and he, so he knew how to check them over, because when they found the plane afterwards, um, there was parachutes that were, like, cut, and I don't know if, I don't know if the people had cut them, or if, like, he went through and did it, or noticed that there was something wrong with them, so there was some left on the plane, but two of them he jumped with. Wow. So, that was pretty interesting. The aircraft landed at 10.15 p.m. at the Reno airport, so now... Eight hours later, after it took off, and a totally different area than where they should have been. Uh, Cooper was no longer on board, and the cabin was now clear. Okay, just... Yeah. I really don't know much about this story. I right. mean, I know, yeah. like, about it. I didn't it, either I until I started researching but it. But he literally opened the stairs, yes. jumped out, yes. and they still flew yep. around, but they don't. But we don't know how long they flew around without him. Or- so he apparently jumped out around 8.13, and they landed at 10. So they still kept they going did say for a while. in the yes, and they did say in the reporting that I was looking at that because the door was open, and obviously you knew as soon as he told the flight attendant to stay in the cockpit that yep. he was going to do that. Right, like you have parachutes, you're telling yep. her to stay in the cockpit. And that was the other thing that I wanted to know is they all said he was like the nicest guy through the whole thing. He was so nice. He was so caring. He kept telling them like everything was going to be okay. Don't worry. Blah blah blah. He just wanted. The money. And I think one of the flight attendants, when I was reading different articles, said she had asked him, like, why do you have a grudge against our airline? And he was like, I don't. I just have a grudge. So he was just, like, trying to get money for some reason. We'll never know what because they don't know who he is. But, um, yeah, so he opened the door to the stairs and jumped off. But so was he being kind when he said to the flight attendant, please, like, go into the cockpit and shut the door? Yeah. Like, he was being... She said the whole thing was was just... save her. Yes, the whole thing was kind. Like, even with the note with the lady when he was like, you need to pick that back up and read it because I do have a bomb. It was just very, like... Matter of fact, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I have a bomb. And that was, like, the point that they were trying to get across was in all the other hijacking stories you heard in the industry that they had heard, it was, like, people being frantic and crazy. And he was just, like, super calm and chill the whole time. They said at one point when they left, I think it was either when they left the plane, the flight attendant left the plane or went on to the stairs to retrieve the money and came back in, he had put sunglasses on. Like, what are you doing? And at one point, he took his tie off. So the tie was found on the plane, the clip-on tie. But the note that he left for the flight attendant wasn't. He took it back. I'm assuming so that if they tried to match, like, handwriting records or something, yeah, no evidence. So there was an investigation after everything because the plane had landed and he was gone subsequently got away so they uh searched the plane they did not find anything and the plane was clean like they did a 30 minute sweep of it no bomb so he must have jumped with that too and just like thrown it or something i don't know but the fbi agents did recover 66 unidentified fingerprints on the airliner uh they found his uh clip-on tie and two of the four parachutes like i said one of which had been opened and two shroud lines had been cut from the canopy wow. so again i don't know if he was like looking through it and was like oh no this one's bad so he just ditched it so a series of composite sketches was developed and i'll put those on the instagram because they're very 
uh, like uniform across the board, all of the ones that I saw pop up, they didn't look like they were exactly the same, but they all looked pretty close. So if somebody did know him, they would be able to identify him. Local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible subjects, suspects. One of the first was an Oregon man with a minor police record named D.B. Cooper. What? And that might be also why that got into the news, because if there already is a guy who's, like, in that area who's been brought in for different things, and they hear Dan Cooper, they're like, oh, it's this guy. But it was not... He was ruled out as a suspect. A local reporter named James Long, rushing to meet an imminent deadline, confused the eliminated suspect's name with the pseudonym, 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 not pseudonym, (laughs) used by the hijacker. So the wire service reported the published error and all the other people. And then it just took off from there. Yeah. All the other people did too. So as a result, D.B. Cooper became the most widely remembered pseudonym for his name. I don't know why I can't say that word. Did you find out anything about the passengers as far as did they find out? Like, when did they find out that this was happening? No, I'm assuming once they left the plane, because when they landed, there was like, police cars everywhere and like I think you would be suspicious if all these emergency vehicles were surrounding your plane and then they did say in the articles I was reading that somebody from the FAA had requested to come on board and talk with him and he was like no we're leaving so they fueled the plane and just left they were like no you're not coming on the plane but that was one of my questions was Obviously, now you wouldn't be able to get through. You wouldn't be able to get through security with a bomb. Like it would be obvious. Right. You that all wouldn't be tangible. But like, once he let the passengers and the flight attendants go, and only had the one pilot and the flight attendant, like, why wouldn't they try to do something? Right. Because in that case, it seems like the only thing they're actually worried about is that the plane would blow up. Yeah. Because. There's still two people on board and you're going to let this guy fly away with them, not knowing what's going to happen. Who's to say he couldn't have strapped them both to the seats and jumped out the door and they killed them? You don't know what's going to happen and you're just like, yeah, okay, go fly away. Yeah, it's very strange the way that sounds like it was handled. So that was one of the questions that I had. And obviously... You couldn't do any of this today. But so they did search for the ransom money uh, and they had used bills that had the serial number L on all of them because that's like federally backed money so that they could trace it more. And then all of the serial numbers were like 1800-ish, like starting with that. Um, like 1804 and 1803. So a month after the hijacking, the FBI distributed the lists of the serial numbers to banks, um, casinos, racetracks, and other businesses conducting cash transactions and to law enforcement agencies around the world. So they offered a reward. The airline was called Northwest Orient, and they were offering a reward of 15% of the recovered money to anyone who could find it to a maximum of $25,000 which in 1971 is a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> Did they ever find it? The money? Any, any No. Any of it? So yes, there is in the 80s it was reported that people did find money. So right here on this picture recovered ransom money. Yeah. So on February 10th, 1980, 8-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River, known as Tina Bar or Tenabar, about nine miles from Vancouver, Washington. Wow. So, like in the range, 20 miles southwest yeah. of Ariel. Okay. He uncovered three packets of the ransom, ransom cash as he raked the riverbank to build a camp, campfire. 
So, like, I don't know. That makes it seem like maybe he jumped and, like, let it go. Like, maybe the, yeah. like, case or bag or whatever Something, it was in yeah. opened. And it just, like, flew everywhere. The bills were disintegrated and still bundled in rubber bands. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. Two packets of $120 bills each, and a third package of 90 all arranged in the same order as when given to him. Because that's how they gave it to him. They gave him $20,000, $10,000, like twenty dollars $10, bills. Wow, okay. So, like, that's kind of a lot to be hauling around. That's a whole lot. Yeah. So this is the only uh, cash that they found that was ever found or was ever tried to be used or anything? Well, people kept searching for it because there was the reward. The reward. Yeah. Um, and then they did say that they had several new rounds of conjecture, initial sa- uh, statements by the investigators and scientific consult- consultants were founded on the assumption that the bundles had washed into the river and that they were washing up on the river. So I think there were people who found more, but I think this was the most okay. of that was ever found. So uh, in 2020, they did do an analysis of the bills, and they said that the the money found at Tenabar, Tenabar, were not submerged in the river or buried dry at the time of the hijacking in 1971. Hmm. So that makes it seem like somebody put it there after the yeah. fact. So I don't know. And then it says in 1986, after protracted negotiations, the recovered bills were divided equally between Ingram and Northwest Orient's insurer. The FBI retained 14 examples as evidence. Ingram sold 15 of his bills at auction in 2008 for $37,000. Wow. Because people are obviously wanting to collect them. So the FBI did stop their case into looking for this in 2016 because... It's been so long, yeah. and they just can't figure it out. And there were numerous suspects, so uh, they had talked to a bunch of different people. I, I don't really think anything of it is of note, except for the D.B. Cooper guy, because that's how they got the sure. name. But if you do Google D.B. Cooper, a bunch of different people will be, like, also searched for, and it's because they were brought into it for whatever reason, and, like, people thought that they did it. So, like, they never found him. They never knew what if he got away, because it seems like he got away, but then the money is just, like, randomly around, so it seems like maybe he didn't. Right. And his body was never found, but again, it's, like, the wilderness forest where this all is. So, are you going to find anything? Probably not. It would be like if you parachuted into a city, yeah, somebody's going to find you. But if you parachuted into Alaska's wilderness, no one's going to find you. If you parachute into the Pacific Northwest wilderness, they're probably not going to find you. A bear's going to find you. Right, a bear, for sure. I'm just fascinated because the the money, obviously, it sounds, seems like he didn't live because how are you going to live with out using any of that money and, well, and that's up. and that's the thing too none of it ever <clears throat> turned up and it's so well known what the serial numbers yeah. were and financial institutions had the list i'm sure now they digitally have lists so sure. if the money does turn up it will be flagged instantly because sure. yes they're not actively investigating but they still are trying to get more information into what could have happened That'll so, be, that will be fascinating if it ever does yeah so you you never okay. know what could happen, but it does say the FBI was skeptical of his odds of survival, concluding that he lacked crucial skydiving skills and experience. Again, like I said, we originally thought that Cooper was an experienced jumper, perhaps even a paratrooper. 
said Special Agent Larry Carr, leader of the investigation team from 2006 until its dissolution in 2016. We concluded after a few years that this was definitely not true. No experienced parachutist would have jumped in the pitch black night in the rain with 172 mile an hour winds in their face, wearing loafers and a trench coat. It was simply too risky. He also missed that his reserve parachute was only for training and had been sewn shut, something a skilled skydiver would have checked. He also failed to bring uh, or request a helmet. He chose to jump with the older and technically inferior of the two primary parachutes supplied to him, and he jumped into probable 15 degrees Fahrenheit wind at 10,000 feet in the air in November over Washington State without proper protection against the extreme wind chill. So the it says the FBI has speculated from the beginning that Cooper did not survive his jump, but I think it's more mythical if he did. If you think that he did, and the legend lives on. But maybe it was just, like, an incredible, an incredible, like, suicide attempt. Right. You know? Right. Well, I'm sure it was a success. I will say, one of the people, when I was doing research, one of the people who was thought to be him was the reason that they thought it was him and he was brought in for questioning was someone tried to do the exact same thing in a Utah airport, like, a month or two later. But they pulled it off very badly oh. and were caught. Okay. So they were like, oh, maybe it's him. But I don't think if you pulled this one off so seamlessly, I don't think you would have done a shoddy job on the next one. And a month later. Yeah. I feel like it takes a little preparation. Yeah. Right? It was not going to take you I would think so. And they did say that there was had to be a lot of uh, preparation going into this. Yeah, I would imagine. So. Very fascinating. Yeah, and that's my case. If anybody has any information, please definitely reach out to us if you know anything more about this, because I definitely thought it was really interesting. That's super interesting. All right, well, on my um, part of the aviation crimes, we're going to talk a little bit about air rage. Again, just finding <laughs> out about that term <clears throat> when I was when I was researching this. 5,300 cases per the FAA by the end of November of 2021 had occurred. Wow. Okay. Like, that's... That seems crazy, especially with how many flights they canceled in 2021. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't even get into December, but we all know at the Christmas, Christmas, New Year's, time there were like oh my god so many flight cancellations like i want to go on vacation this year but Mm -hmm. i really don't want to go anywhere where i have to fly because i'm not certain that it won't get canceled remember how freaked out i was about going to disney last year because we were flying southwest and southwest the day before we were supposed to leave in june 2021 canceled like or no two days before we were supposed to leave canceled like twelve thousand flights and then the day before we were supposed to leave canceled like eight thousand flights because their system kept crashing wasn't there was that like the weird blackout or something? Yes, yeah, when their system like crashed, yeah. yep. and the, but it was only them. Yeah. So then I was checking FlightAware all day, which is the software yep. anyone can use, I think. Yes. Where you just type in like the plane, and I had gone back through like the flight patterns to figure out which aircrafts <laughs> would be bringing us, yes. and just like tracked it throughout the day because I'm like, nope, I'm making sure they're making it. Like our overnight plane is making it to Hartford, yep. and the plane that we're connecting on is making it to wherever we were connecting out of. I don't even remember now, but just so I, if anything did happen, I could rebook at midnight because yeah. that's what was happening to people. They were canceling the flights and people were like, oh, crazily rebooking. And some of the people that I knew who were also going on the trip were flying out from like the Portland, Seattle area, and they had to wait two or three days to get there. That's crazy. So they had to pay like a bunch of change fees to make it on time for the trip. 
nuts. It but was yours crazy. was your yours ended up being okay. Yeah, ours ended up being okay, and then it was nice. Well, originally, what happened, and this is why I was worried, we were supposed to have a direct flight because Hartford to Orlando, there's many carriers mm-hmm. out of our airport that go direct, and right. Southwest is one of them. So I had booked it like six months in advance, direct flight, because we had the kids, my mom, my husband, and I, and then maybe like two months before they the uh government ruled that they could like up their prices and change yep. things and not do non-stop flights to try to recoup some of their money so the non-stop flight we had changed into a three stopover flight from hartford to florida that's so crazy. i just and they waived the change fees so i just switched it yeah that's enough. but yes i can understand people's air age in some of yes. those levels because if it was the <laughs> night before and they were like you now have four stops and your four hour flight to florida is now nine hours or 12 right. hours yeah. or another day you arrive the next day no yeah. thank you well i mean and then it just screws with all of the things that people are missing out on right it could be weddings it could be right. funerals it could be right. just all that stuff and i don't think i think most people don't plan that far in ahead like oh let's book an extra day mm-hmm. to like compensate for yeah. the fact that maybe the airline will cancel our Give flight because cushion. then you have to have yeah. an extra hotel day yep you're leaving on a day you don't want to leave. You have if you're a working person, you have to yes. take an extra vacation day. It all adds up. Very annoying. It's very stressful. <clears throat> it can be very stressful. Well, anyway, back to the air rage thing. I was perusing the air rage uh, area on Wikipedia, and it this may come as a surprise, a shock. I don't know. Many of the cases involved alcohol. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, many like. I'm like shocked. I can't give it a percentage, but I'm going to say most. Probably 99.9. But I'm shocked that they let people drink on airplanes because I'm not a big drinker. And the few times that I have had alcohol on airplanes, I feel it so much faster. Right. So, like, Maybe one drink minimum for everyone. Yeah. Well, pe- people pregame and then right. they attempt to act like they're somewhat sober and then, or they hide, you know, vodka in their water bottles or whatever that I had read about people doing that. I don't know if you're <laughs> even allowed to do that anymore. Or they bring on like sodas from McDonald's or Wendy's or something, but it's not. It's just like, but how do you get that in? Cokes. How do you get that in through there? Well, you know, oh, like, I guess you could you probably, food, I don't want right? to give, I, I don't want to give people these ideas. Well, no, because you can't bring <laughs> yeah. you can't bring a water bottle through TSA that has water oh, in that, it. Okay, it has to be the small things yeah, only. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when we were in high school, we went on a chorus trip to New Orleans, and I was a sophomore, so I wasn't drinking, and my aunt was chaperoning us. Yeah. So, like, I was such a nerd, so I would not be drinking or sneaking alcohol. But my the older kids who were on the trip all had snuck like vodka and rum and stuff in old shampoo bottles that oh they my. washed out. Yes. Because who's going to check that? No one. Nobody. Like, I've actually the, heard the of The plane those... didn't. No one did. I know people do it on cruises. Yes. And I've heard people like soaking tampons. No. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Soaking tampons in like vodka and then. And then using it? Sucking them. Like sucking oh. the juice out of it. Well, because I've heard that if you put, like, if you put the tampon where it's supposed to go, yeah. it absorbs into your bloodstream oh. faster, like alcoholic no. wise. Okay. No. Oh, well. You learn I don't so even know where I've heard die. that. I don't know where I heard that. I don't know. This is a random fact that I somehow have. I can promise you I've never done that. I've heard of CBD tampons or suppositories or whatever for people who have terrible PMS and cramps and things like that. Um, Yeah, but I haven't heard of the alcohol. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was like on Shameless or like Orange is the New Black or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it's... the only place that I get that kind of info. Okay. <laughs> so I just thought I'd talk about a couple of these um, very 
to me, quite interesting stories. And there are so many. There really are. You can go on the Wikipedia and there are just, they start from the 70s mm -hmm. and there's only like a few. And then as you get into the 80s, there's just maybe a few more. Yeah. As soon as you hit the 2000s, it's like boom, 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 boom. There's so much air yeah. rage. Like people are going crazy. And I don't know if it's they, I, I mean, I think that they've gotten stricter as far as rules. When the first flight I've ever, I ever went on was um, when I was, I think, 11 years old. And we were on, Peep, I think it was called People's Air, something <laughs> like that. People's Air. There was smoking. Right. It was just like whatever you wanted to do. You just lived your life on this tiny little can, you know, tin can yeah. with all these other people. Well, and I remember the first plane I went on in like the 90s. I think there was still like ashtrays in yeah. the seats. And I was like, what the heck? Yes. Well, and then there was an actual like smoking section. So I think when you booked your tickets, you had to ask for like, ooh, it's it's in the back row. <laughs> I would like you to imagine the first row of the non-smoking section. Oh, gross. No. Isn't that crazy? Well, that's like when restaurants had smoking yes. sections and it was like a <clears throat> tiny room and we'd always have to go in the smoking section because like my grandma smoked and my yeah. mom smoked and my aunt smoked when we were little. Yeah. So we'd always go in there. And I remember one restaurant we always went to, Benny's. Um yep had, like, a room that was, like, roomed off. It was, like, as big as this room we're in yeah. with, like, ten tables in it oh, and everyone's God. smoking and you would open the door and be like... <laughs> or one time when they started, like, I remember because my kids were little when they started <laughs> implementing the, the non-smoking or smoking sections and there was, we went to Applebee's once and you could smoke at the bar but they seated us at the tables inside the oh, bar. Oh, yeah. So we were still so getting just, all like, the smoke. Onto you. And I was like, mm, no. They did that at... Um, What's that? It's not Texas Roadhouse. It's the other one that's closed now. Outback Steakhouse had the oh. same sort of thing where you could smoke at the bar. But meanwhile, the entire rest of the restaurant, they were still getting covered oh with my smoke gosh. because it wasn't like it was enclosed. So I'm super happy that there's no smoking anymore <laughs> anywhere. I love it. Anyway, um, so this is a story about these 22-year-old twin sisters from Michigan. Okay. They were flying to Shanghai. They were models. They were, like, entering a modeling competition. This was, did I say 2001? No, I don't think you did. They were drinking, I guess, before a little bit, drinking on the plane a little bit, and they went into the bathroom and they were smoking. Oh, I God. Mean, are you kidding me? I mean, granted, again, it was 2001, but still. Like, no, since I've been, that's, yeah. I was in high school in 2001, and, and we flew a lot, and there would always no be smoking. like, there's no smoking, especially in the bathrooms, that's an, that's like an FAA offense, yeah. and you will be like fined and have like jail time. And I, I think didn't, I, th I remember hearing like the foam will come down, it's like, you know what I mean? Oh, it's I don't, like a big I don't know. Deal. It's like, but don't I'm sure. do it, yeah. So they were smoking in the bathroom, and then they tried to cover the smell with perfume. Oh, yeah, because that's going to work. Can you imagine? And then and then as they came out, and they were, like, walking back down, they began walking out of the bathroom, and then walking down the aisle. They were, they were fighting with each other, and they began verbally abusing the crew and then the passengers. And then they themselves asked if they could leave the plane to smoke. Like, that's how drunk they were. They were oh like, my can God. we leave? Because we just want to go So why were they verbally abusing passengers? Because were passengers I, like, were you smoking? Yeah, and they, they were like, shut up. Passengers were pissed that they were smoking and were saying, like, don't smoke. Like, knock it off. Because they, of course, thought it was a secret, but it's not a yeah, secret. Yeah, it's really not. You're not keeping that from anybody. <laughs> so when they were a thousand miles away from Anchorage, the pilot turned around and put all of the 200 again they were they were headed toward shanghai right they put all 231 passengers except for those two 
up in a hotel and they paid for a tour of either the city of Anchorage or like the Portage. I think it's called the Portage Glacier. This is what the airline did to me. That's up. really cool Isn't for those nice? people, but also I would be so mad if I was missing whatever yes, I needed to get back to Shanghai for. Like, lovely. Thank you. You want to see the glacier, but we really need to get going. But anyway, so the two girls were charged federally, as you can imagine. Yes, you smoked in a bathroom. Yes. And they like were verbally assaulting right. people and just creating chaos. Um, after guilty plea they were sentenced to probation, community service, and banned from commercial flying for five years. Whoa. So sometimes you hear about people being banned from a specific airline. Right. Mm-hmm. They were just banned straight as out. They, well, as they should as have they been. should be. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's like, don't act a fool. I'm just trying yeah. to think back of all the times that I've flown in my life. And I, it, of course, I get very anxious on a plane Mm -hmm. the whole thing makes me anxious pre-children and then with children and even if i had to fly again without my children which i can't imagine at this point in my life but if i had to i would still be very anxious about it Mm -hmm. i just sit in my seat and i'm just like okay i have to like focus on something (laughs) i cannot imagine getting hammered i don't think i've ever wait but i'm confused because a drink on a plane we've flown on the planes at work and yeah. you have gone on the plane at work, and you, like, love doing love that. It. But I, why? Okay. If, it is a different thing to fly on a private jet. I mean... It's very different than being... Okay, you know what it is that makes me nervous is the airport. Yeah. The people. Okay. When my boys were little, I thought, and you know, I just thought, like, the whole world was going to come and, like, try and kidnap them. Oh, okay. I have this very okay. unreal fear. Because I was going to say, I'm afraid of flying because I'm afraid of heights. Yeah. And I can promise you that the fear was there on the private and the okay. commercial airplanes. I'm terrified of heights. Yeah. And, I'm, and I was super afraid of flying in general, I think, when I was younger. I'm not really sure. But it's the, the whole thing around the airport, I guess, is what makes me super anxious. Oh, okay. I don't like all those people. I really mm-hmm. don't. I get, like, freaked about anybody looking at my children. Right. I don't like any of it. And then, of course, I think, bless my dad, he'd be like, you know, hold on to your stuff. Like, keep your purse right next to you. You know, people <laughs> are going to try and take your stuff. So I think I just got all, I'm always riled up that people are going to try and take my purse. Take or my, your family members. My, my cat. What do they call those things? Those traveler's checks that we used mm-hmm. to have like keep your friggin' travel i put my traveler's checks in my bra you know like all these things that i remember it was very intense very stressful situation to fly yeah so when i can merely walk out to our ramp and go right. up 10 steps and then sit down in these amazing huge leather beautiful chairs and go on a flight to new york and back it's very different right am i up there still flying thousands of feet in the air yes but i also know the pilots and to me that feels different that's true i know them i trust them but on some level if some of the pilots were like hey do you want to go on this flight with me i'd be like no (laughs) no because i know you no i just don't i don't know i I just i feel like i also know like the mechanics that Mm -hmm. fix these planes or keep them running i don't it's a different feeling to me i know that they all give a shit about their livelihood right and they all give a shit about you know what they do true i don't know anybody from american airlines and how they what have they got into a fight with their wives i don't know anything about that right but i'm just saying commercial flights they do still freak me out but it's mostly the people that are around me yeah it's not necessarily the up and going see where my family is like oh we don't like you going on the plane at which i've only been on one plane at work ever and it was just like flying around the airports and landing and retaking off because the pilots touch and goes my favorite because the pilots were certifying (laughs) and they're like hey you've been here for a while now you want to come on and we were like yeah so i went on and 
um, my family was like, I don't like you doing this because the planes that crash are the private planes. Oh my God. And I'm like, okay, but this is different than like some doctor who owns their own plane flying their own plane. And I'm only using that because that was like the most recent one we had in Connecticut where it was like a doctor out of Boston and his wife flying. Tiny Um, planes though, right? Right. Where we have like professional pilots who go into constant training yes. and are flying much more important people than us. So I think right. that's much different. It is. It's just a different thing. So anyway, yes, there's that little, our little story about that. So yeah, I, I am not, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm afraid to fly. I'm not afraid to fly. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of all the people You're afraid at of the, the situational. I'm afraid of the airport and all of that <laughs> stuff and the people sitting near me. And then, I, you know, I'll, ugh. yeah, those, none of that is good. It's very different on a private jet. Just a different vibe. So, okay, so I have another kind of, I think, rather hilarious story. And again, I always try to, as an empath, I think that I always try to put myself into somebody else's position and yeah. and figure out, like, what were they feeling? What what? Okay, so for this story, what did everybody on this plane, those who had children, those who were going on their honeymoon, right. just traveling for business, what did they think of... Of all of this crap that was going on. But okay. So 2005, there was a 44-year-old man and his 28-year-old uh, fiancé. Okay. Were sent, they were sent back to Britain and arrested after their flight from Gatwick. I I think that yeah, was somewhere we just, in England. UK somewhere names in England. are the destruction <clears throat> of our vocabulary. To Jamaica. Was, di- was, diverted, was diverted to Bermuda to pull them off. Okay. So... What was going on? Well, they were intoxicated when they boarded. Okay. Again, how? Because right. I don't think that would happen in this day and age. Like, right. like if you were, and what year was this? Two thousand five. Okay. I mean, I mean not it that still it was might. That long ago, it but... still might. Who knows? Especially if you have like a first class ticket, you could be drunk and get on that plane. Oh my. Okay. Well, I've never, I've never in my life sat in first class. So, they, um, they started this little trip by arguing with the gate agents. Oh geez. Before even boarding, because they were arguing about their seats and they didn't okay, like well, their Okay. Well, then how did they not get? Don't know. How did they not get not on the plane? I don't know. So then after they boarded, they were arguing with the passengers, as you can imagine, regarding their baggage space, you know, above, oh God. Yeah. The, up, up above their heads and all that. Um, and then, so they were already, like, everybody on the plane was pretty much like, these people suck. Yeah. Well, so that wasn't enough, you know, to get everybody riled up. Well, they went and had sex in the lab. Oh my God. Twice by their own accounting. No. Oh, speaking of that, I just want to put yes. this in because I saw this the other day and was like, excuse me, there is a company in Las Vegas that you can hire Mm-mm. for like two hours and no. they will take you up or one hour. They will take you up in the sky and it's solely to get into the Mile High no, Club. Why would you even want to be on that plane? No. I would not want to touch a thing on that <laughs> plane. You would have like HPV the second you walked through the door. But that's like those, I mean, it's not the same, but I'm saying similar, but it's like those friggin' hotels that are in, like, aren't they Newington or Weathersfield or something? Oh, they I have, have no idea. Yes, they're, like, specific. They have those champagne glass um, hot tubs and their heart-shaped beds. I cannot, for the life of me, think of what they are. But, yes, I'm sure if huh. you, if I said that, Grantmore, the Grantmore. I have no idea yes. what that is. You've never heard of the Grantmore? No. So, the Grantmore is some sort of 
like that kind of a no. It's not well, that's nice like, like in an Northampton, airplane, but it's that kind in, of a hotel. I think it's Northampton. <clears throat> Somebody can correct me if they're listening to this, but I know my sister in laws have gone there, and like my old coworker used to go there to these like hot tub hotel rooms where they have like hot tubs that you can use, and it's like, but you were going in, and it's like a running hot tub. It's not like a jacuzzi tub where it's like being drained and clean between yeah. like the the uses. I'm sure they what? are cleaning. I'm sure they're cleaning it, but it's no. a hot tub. No. You don't drain a hot tub. It's like a pool. You, like, cure it. So I know my coworker used to, my old coworker, not anyone we work with, used to go there and she's like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend and I would have sex in the hot tub. And I'm like, okay. of course, like so many people are. I don't want to go and no. sit in somebody's fucking jizz. No. <laughs> jizz soup. No, thank you. That's why I have a little <laughs> bit of a concern whenever we do go to any kind of hotel and they have a hot tub. Yeah. I- absolutely second guess myself every single time because i've been to i look at it very closely you know how i look at the hotel beds for friggin' bed bugs every time i well let me tell you i'm looking just as closely at the at the hot tubs in a hotel so we we have gone to hotels that have like jacuzzi tubs in your room and i have i like scour that thing like is there any black marks is everything clean is there pubic hair like is there anything and normally you're letting the water in and they're yeah and we're letting the water in that and i know that the cleaning people are coming in yeah. between and scrubbing the sure. shit out of that and probably yes. bleaching it yes. because it's that. But going to a hot tub resort, no. And how in 2022 is that a thing? And again, I'm sorry, I know my sister-in-law's listened to this podcast, but like, for me, I just couldn't. And maybe it is different, but again, I can't see having a place where you have hot tubs and draining every single hot tub between I you. I can't imagine. You wouldn't. It, it would just be cured. But knowing that my coworker was like, yeah, I go there and we like fuck in the hot tub and I'm like okay, okay. like I'm no. never going there she's like oh you should I'm come you there. should come one time it's so nice I'm no. like no, I don't think so because no, I'll get the room you had last time no, and be like yeah what's in the water well no, <laughs> that's what I'm telling you that's what the Grantmore is I'm pretty sure I don't know I have never been there but I'm pretty sure it's not true I actually went there in the parking lot once to get car <laughs> keys from my sister's best friend and her husband on their on their wedding night, but that's a totally different okay. story. But anyway, so, but I've never been actually inside the hotel, but I believe that they have hot tubs yeah. that are like champagne glass shaped or some crazy that's thing. That's weird. Like in 2022, okay. why? Well, this was years. This was in the 80s. Well, girl. but is it still open? Crazy 80s. Saying, I don't know. I think so, but okay. I, I, we can I'm Google saying that. like Let's if it's still open, Google. weird. I know like po- the Poconos has like the heart shaped yes, beds with like I that think you put quarters like that. in and they vibrate. What? Like, yeah, yes. Know, okay, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know what you were saying. Now I get it. Yeah. No, okay. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about vibrating, but I'm talking about the bed. Yes. There's not like a quarter-operated vibrator at the hotel. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. It's the heart-shaped bed. Yes, I forgot yeah. about the You put the quarter in. And it vibrates. I'm pretty sure that's what the Grantmore is, was, did. I don't know if it is now. Absolutely but. ridiculous. So I'm going to let you get back to your story okay. about the uh, Mile High Club thing. Oh, my God. And I'm going to Google the place you were talking yes. about. Okay. <laughs> So on their third go around of doing it in the bathroom, the passengers three had, times, yes, three times. Yeah. This man is forty eight. Well, three times. She's twenty eight. Okay, so. I get that. But how is he recovering that quickly? I don't know. Maybe medication. I'm not sure. Oh, God. So uh, the passengers had had enough, and they ordered them back to their seats. Which I, again, here is where I would love to be, like <laughs> at the front of the plane, just looking back, going, "What is going on?" So anyway. Um, and then, so they did come out of the bathroom, and then she, the fiancé, uh-huh. went and gave her fiancé a lap dance in the crew seat, 
Okay, so they like got... Like the jump seat for the stewardess? Yeah, they went oh to my the God. jump seat and she was giving them a lap dance. Oh okay. my God. And then when the crew refused to give them any more al- alcohol, they became abusive and violent, swearing and yelling, walking up and down the aisle. Oh my God. Okay, then they were finally re- restrained. I'm not sure who restrained them, but they had to be handcuffed. Of course. They had to be handcuffed. They were arrested, thankfully. Can you imagine the applause? Right. Oh my god, everybody. Just not hear people banging in the bathroom Uh, on the plane. Like, come on, guys. It's it's come on. I just I can't. Okay, if I get you're on your honeymoon, but like tone it down. I got married when I was twenty six and I can tell you we were like really horny about it, but we weren't doing anything on the plane. No. Like, calm no. down. It's called, you know, being human, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't mean being human, I mean... You mean, like, being, like, a respectable being human. Being a respectable human, and there's a time and place for everything, and this is not the time I don't pay for a plane ticket to watch you bone. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> like, unless I would no. have Oh my, I would have died. <laughs> so anyway, they, uh, they pled guilty... The woman had a three-month suspended sentence and had to do 100 hours of community service. And the man had to spend a year in prison. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess maybe he was more of an asshole than she was. I'm not sure. but Maybe. Uh, so the or it's ju- just because he's an old, unattractive, possibly, hey. man, and she's a hot young yeah. woman. Maybe. And it's like the case that you talked sure. about in the matricide crimes, yeah. where the daughter was like oh, yeah. hot. So they were like, oh, you poor child, you're yes. innocent. And the guy got life in prison. Yes. And it's yes. like, what? Yes. Yeah, because looks matter, you know, in those situations. So the judge find also fined them six thousand pounds. They were paid by a newspaper for the story, so they got paid yeah, the six thousand, and then they had to pay the fine right, exactly. six thousand. So that was that crazy. Which story. that's believable because the more the world goes on, the more I do think, and I said <laughs> this in I think the last episode maybe or the episode before that the world is definitely turning into the movie Idiocracy. It totally is. Uh, the dumber you are, and the like more stupid things you do, the more famous you become somehow. Like, yeah. how is the girl who went on Dr. Phil and be like, catch me outside? How yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is she so famous and so rich? I don't know. Like, I don't understand. It's embarrassing to our country. It's so embarrassing. For our country. Well, this is it's why other countries are like, this is what America is. This is why they think we're a dumpster <laughs> fire because of people like that. And then yes. we like, we raise her up to be wealthy right. and famous. Cut right. it out. It's yeah. embarrassing. It's ridiculous. So I did Google the Grant Moore Motor Lodge in Newington. Yes. And it is still open. All right. There are heart-shaped jacuzzis. Oh, okay. And then the bed, they do have one room, though, that is, like, what you would think, but it's a round bed. Oh, my. Oh, it's round. Is that, like, red red velvet? It's, like, red velvet. And it looks like the bed, like, comes apart into different pieces. Oh, why? I don't know why. And that just looks like you're going to get murdered in there. If you look at that, if anybody happens to go online and look at it, it looks like it has not been updated since 1975. No. Like, what? look at this. There's, like, lattice from outside <laughs> on the walls Are there, like, decor. disco balls hanging from the ceiling? I don't, it What's seems like on? that. No, I think it's a flash from the camera, as you can see from here. So I will put these pictures on Instagram. I'll screenshot them and put them up, because why not? It's just too good not it's to. It's hilarious. So, so okay. did you have any other anything else so, to share? So, here's my story. I had some notes that I for the life of me I think I left at work I'm not sure but I I don't have them with me so I can't really refer to anything but I would just like to say maybe another time when we do some sort of like you know let's talk a little bit about all 80 episodes that we left something out of because we probably will do that Um, we'll talk about suicide by pilot 
as far as aviation crimes. Oh, right. I remember because that you did that's want to like talk a about that part. Big that is genre. crazy because there has been a few true crime podcasts that I listen to <clears throat> that have covered that one case, and I can't remember if they took off in France or if the pilot was French or German or something, and he just, like, all of a sudden, like, crashed the plane and killed everyone. Yeah, it's not. And it was, like, because his wife, like, left him yes. or something, and it was like, what? There are a couple of ones that I was looking looking through, and they, they were responding to, like, having a fight with their wife, yeah. and then they would just crash. Well, we can like, do another what? aviation crimes episode, because yeah. the other case that I wanted to talk about that I will talk about then is the bombing that um, Pablo Escobar did okay. in the 80s with, to blow up all of the, like, Colombia? He's Colombian. Okay. So, blow up the Colombian officials to, like, take out his, like, people he was against and the competition for him and everything. Like, sent a young kid on a plane and blew oh, up the plane. Yeah. And I did want to talk about that because when I was watching um, Narcos on Netflix, yep. the first season, that happens and I was like, oh my god, like, the kid who they sent on the plane was so young. He was, like, newly married. I think he had a baby. And then it was just like, oh, they had him go do this and then they killed his wife and all this oh other stuff. Gosh. It was, like, such a thing. And I think they were both, like, 16 or 17. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So it's that's a crazy thing, too. And just that whole thing is crazy. So that was the other case that I wanted to cover, but I did not have more time to go okay. into that. Well, we'll talk about that and then the suicide by pilot, which is yes, crazy. Our aviation crimes part, two. <clears throat> yeah. But I did want to say thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. And sorry about all the coughing and throat clearing. We are <laughs> no. still both getting over COVID. And there is going to be a lot of jump cut editing and... Because I started coughing to the point where I can't breathe. But we're trying to push through and make our episodes. And I think this episode was pretty funny. It was pretty good. good. Yeah. And everybody out there, can you please refrain from having sex on the plane please. in the bathroom. Please. We don't want to hear you. Just it just say no. And just no lap no. dances in the poor flight attendants oh, jump that poor seats. Thing, no. no. You know, I would love to interview someday, like a a, a commercial, a commial air yeah. um a flight, flight attendant. attendant. I, they must have the most amazing stories. Oh, I'm and sure by amazing, do. I mean horrible. I mean, my friend's dad was, a, he just retired, but he was a commercial airline pilot for American Airlines right. internationally. So, I'm, and I'm sure he had some stories. I'm sure he had stories, but I feel like the flight attendants, oh, yeah, they you're, get... You're a forward-facing yeah, person. You're, like, a, basically working customer service. Yes. So, you're, and like, a hostess to, And a daycare air. center, an adult daycare. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. Really, bartenders, they're everything. Trying to yeah. keep everybody together and... So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you have any recommendations or info on any of the cases we covered, or if you are a flight attendant and you would like to be interviewed by us, (laughs) please email us at coworkerskillingtime at gmail.com. Perfect. You can follow us on Instagram at Coworkers Killing Time. You can, to see all the photos that we reference from each episode. Uh, And then just so people know, when you are doing that, scroll through the episode title card on Instagram and you'll see all the pictures that we're talking about because some people have said oh we never see the pictures you talk about and you have to keep scrolling because there's multiple pictures just for anybody who may be technologically illiterate out there (laughs) yeah um you can follow us on Facebook at Coworkers Killing Time Podcast if you do not have a podcasting app on your phone or 
you want to listen to our episodes there. It's really simple. And lastly, you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com and searching Coworkers Killing Time. You will get exclusive content episodes and eventually a happy hour episode with Robin and I monthly. So please check that out. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.